Hi, I'm Denise Bailey. And I'm Dr. Monica Parker. And you're listening to My Parents Are Now My Kids, a medical doctor's view and daughter's journey through memory loss and other dementias. As a doctor, I'll help you navigate through the often confusing, confounding, and frequently frustrating technical aspects of dementia. And as a daughter, I'll share with you some things I've experienced caring for and loving my parents who both struggled with these disorders. We want you to have hope and to see that there is light at the end of the tunnel. And we'll tell you that sometimes that light is coming straight at you and you just have to get out of the way. Let's get started. Hi, Dr. Monica. Hi, Denise. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm very well. Thank you for asking. Well, we are back, and today we'd like to talk about therapies and the best types of therapies for people with dementia and Alzheimer's. And I know that's very broad, Mm -hmm. but if someone with dementia has obviously mental um, deficiencies, what are some therapies that can sort of help their brain along and help them function a little bit better? It's really a very good question. First thing that I'd like people to appreciate is that there's no cure, as they say, for any type of dementia, Alzheimer's, Lewy body, frontotemporal. We don't have a chemotherapy, if you will, for those kinds of disorders. If you have a cancer, there's a medication regimen we can probably use to get rid of the bad cells so that healthy ones live. We don't have such a thing for Alzheimer's and other dementing illnesses. What we do have and what we have learned over time is that people with dementia function better when they have structure. Now, what does that mean? Well, most people with dementia can do something. You know, we say if you give them a task, make the task fit their abilities. But let's just say you have somebody um, who is mobile, which means they can get up, they walk, they can feed themselves if you put things in front of them. But you don't want to let them just sit in front of a television every day. Let's organize a day for them. Let's structure or plan things for them to do. So it's like, okay, we get up at a set time. We have a routine of going to the bathroom, doing our basic face wash, brush your teeth, you know, grooming kinds of things. We have breakfast. And then we'll have some kind of socialization activity. Now, you'll hear that some people have adult daycare programs, attending adult daycare. Yes. Um, um, you suggested that for my dad. And as I mentioned in the past, he went to that and he really enjoyed that. So that's, well, that, that's, that's considered like a therapy? Well, yeah. It's a socialization and they're around other people. And they won't probably have to think. There's usually some activity that goes on. People thrive on some activity. I wouldn't say overwhelming kinds of things. But if you see somebody else who greets you, says hello, you can say hello back. You know? If one of the activities is music, let's say listening to music. I know that at my mother's adult day program, she goes to an adult day program. And they have... A structured level of activity so people arrive between 10 and 11 
they have socialization, a coffee hour, if you will, and then somebody provides some kind of entertainment for them. They have lunch, then after lunch, they will do some kind of physical activity and some other kind of event, bingo. You, you mentioned music, and um, I've seen reports in the past saying that music is something that really sort of sparks something in people with dementia and Alzheimer's. They may not be able to remember your name or where you're from, or maybe sometimes they can't even recognize a family member, but you put on a certain song and sometimes that sparks something and they will sing along and they will remember the words better than most people. Yeah, things like hymns, like people who go to church a lot will recognize familiar hymns and they may be able to sing along. If they were a part of a sorority, they may recognize their sorority hymn and they may want to sing along. So when we start talking about therapies for people with dementia, we find that older adults who have dementia function better in a confined, I won't say confined, but schedule regular things they they they're familiar they can develop a routine and they don't get unsettled and unrestless so if i'm in my house every day and you're my daughter and you're the one who takes care of me i'm going to be happy to see you every morning when i get up right okay if there's somebody different there that i'm not familiar with i may react differently to that person than i would to you so establishing a structure for the people that you're caring for, giving them something to do, certainly not shoving them in front of a television set, and giving them opportunities to engage and socialize on their level in a manner in which they can adapt and feel comfortable. You know, some churches, particularly churches that are their church, let's say, that they've been going to for years, maybe they have a senior moment, a senior hour or something, but plan activities for them. So when we start thinking about therapies, and I'm not really talking about medicine as such, Mm -hmm. um, it's really more as a caregiver for somebody living with dementia. We need to develop schedules or structure for them. And one thing about that, um, they're almost, well, I shouldn't say almost like kids. They really are like kids. I've noticed kids do not mind repetition. No. So it's so, familiar. It's comfortable. Right. So I can kids, do this. Look, I can do this. Kids will sit and watch the same video or the listen to the same song 100 times a day. And people with dementia tend that makes them comfortable. You right. can you can sing the same song, you can put on the same video or 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 do something like that and they're fine with it. Well, you said video. I'm, I'm, I'm more into music, you know. And some of our, um, in uh, some of our uh, residential communities, we have music therapy. We have plant therapy, and those What's are plant therapy, horticultural therapy, where people work with their hands planting things, gardening, you know, whether it's plants or vegetables. Maybe on some level, I can't tell you what it is I'm doing, but I know what to do. So I'm gonna go out there and play in the dirt a little bit. So for therapies with older people with dementia, we like structure, structured activities, scheduled days for them. Don't leave them wandering around, you know, in the wilderness, if you will. Then when it comes to medications, people with dementia, the health of people with dementia is managed best when you manage those things that are chronic for them. 
not so much medications for Alzheimer's or anything, but if they're hypertensive, manage their high blood pressure, manage their diabetes, whatever they are taking chronic medications for, manage those things. That helps you optimize their health care outcomes. Um, well, I know my dad had, you know, some physical um, issues, and I tried physical therapy for him, small, you know, I would take him walking, uh, he seemed to enjoy that, um, go out to the park, walk just a little bit when he could was still able to walk, and like feed the birds by the river and that kind of thing. So that was the kind of physical therapy that I did for my dad. Is that good for people with dementia well, and Alzheimer's? I think as long, we like exercise for everybody, for anything. And I think that if walking with your loved one in nature, it's usually something that's stress-reducing, known to be stress-reducing, um, and they can recognize things. They can recognize birds. They can look at flowers. They can look at trees. They may com- comment on those sorts of things. So, But I think that if somebody is able to walk, you want them to walk as often as possible. Why? Because walking strengthens their muscles, keeps their muscles from atrophying, and allows them to continue to move. You know, people who don't move, eventually their muscles atrophy or waste away, and they're not able to hold themselves up and to walk. It's, oh, she's old, don't do this, she'll fall. No, get her up, walk on a regular basis. You know, it doesn't have to be far, maybe from the front door down to the end of the driveway and back. If that's what you do two or three times a day, that's good. That's what they mean when they say you use it or you lose it. That's right. And same thing with um, the socialization to some degree. You know, you the adult day programs allow people a little social outlet, certainly with people that if they hadn't been familiar with them before, they become more familiar with them, and this becomes their normal. And they see people that are familiar with them and they are with whom they are familiar and people that they're comfortable with. That's like my dad. He loved going to church mm-hmm. every Sunday, and we had a wonderful neighbor who would come and um, drive him. Mm-hmm. Uh, when he wanted to go to a particular church. And it was, he was there for worship, but he was really there <laughs> for the social part of it. And that was his therapy because he would come home and talk about, oh, Mr. So-and-so said he liked my tie today. And that was, that just sort of lit him up. And and that's, you're right. That is a kind of therapy. You know, we didn't really dig into it, but you talked about music before in hymns. And church um, is comforting for people, particularly those of us who are Christians here in the Deep South. You know, we like going to church. Sunday church attendance is a big ritual in our communities. And the music, and if you happen to be in your home church, if you will, the church that you've gone to almost your entire adult life, not only is it familiar, it's comfortable and familiar, and you feel secure there, so you don't feel unwelcome, and you're not, it's not strange to you. Right. So it, it probably was therapy for your dad to come to church and to see the people, because there are going to be some people there that he recognizes, or he recognized, and certainly, whether he recognized them or not, they probably came up to him and said, hello, Mr. Bailey. Exactly. And he'd say, well, 
hi, how are you? And you can pretend that you did know them. So I think that having people address you by your name in a familiar setting, in a familiar way, allows that person to be sociable. It's like, ah, see, I matter. This person knows me. Absolutely. Because at home, you know, um, your loved one might get that, that family member who's always trying to make sure they're getting fed and getting their medications and getting what they need physically. But that therapy at church or in social settings or going to the park or daycare. Or golf. If you were a golfer, you know, just going out for a ride with the guys that do golfing, whether I golf anymore or not, if I'm in the cart, I'm doing something, right? That's true. That that's, is true. That's, that's a big deal. So we need to think of therapy as something other than a medication to take. There's social medicine, if you will, in terms of helping their socialization, socializing in familiar places for them Mm -hmm. in manners that they can appreciate, the walking, the exercise, you know, music, but more importantly, establishing a routine, a pattern of activity that's something they can handle and cooperate with and go along with. And as long as you keep them in that routine, that established routine, with familiar people, familiar things, they're probably going to have a much higher quality of life. Right. And and remain more functional, physically functional, and agreeable than not. That is true. Dad was just, like, light on his feet when he would come from church. And after having been with his friends sitting on the pew and after he would come from adult daycare, I still have some of the different artwork that he had made and it's I will never throw it away it's around the house it just sort of lit him up and it just sort of made him happy and I'm just speaking from a personal standpoint but I want to ask you like in your practice and some of your patients in the past what kind of difference did you see in them those that went to daycare and and you know had some sort of therapy that sort of uh, challenged them and and sort of have gave them a you know something to look forward to well I think most of those people are happy but I also think that their caregivers were happy because adult daycare if you will is a type of respite it gives them a break um mom is in adult daycare so from 10 to 3 I don't really have to worry about what happens to her or to dad. I have them in a place where I know that they are safe and that they are comfortable. So we have adult daycare as a respite for the caregiver. So that gives the caregiver time to go to work, get their hair done, pay some bills, and then say, well, mom, what kind of day did you have? You know, what kind of day did you have? And um, yeah, I guess it's like being in carpool and having a child in elementary school. You take them to school every day and you pick them up and you ask them how their day was or you ask the teacher how their day was. Right. But then you go home and you do your routine at home to get ready for dinner and get ready for bed. And then we go home and we get ready to do it all over again. Makes sense to me. So that tells you that therapy is good, not only for the person with dementia and Alzheimer's, obviously, but it also gives a respite to the caregiver. Right. Well, 
Well, that's a nice way to end it. So we will talk to you more next time.